It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. All right, so check this out. The following is a story that took place quite a few years ago, but it still baffles me, and I'd like to share it here. I'm a teenager, and I've been in the Boy Scouts almost my entire life. I really enjoy exploring with my friends and being trusted more now that I'm older. A few years ago, myself and two girls, Amy and Harriet, were asked to go into the woods surrounding our campsite to find a long, straight stick suitable for carving into a point. Remember, I was a lot younger then. Harriet was the oldest, and Amy was only one year older than myself. We walked in the same direction to avoid getting lost and memorized our surroundings as we went. After 15 minutes, we couldn't find the right kind of stick so we turned back towards the campsite. That's when the initial panic set in. The trees appeared to have knitted themselves together in a way that completely concealed our path, like it had just vanished. We turned a complete circle, and everything looked exactly the same. Trees we could have sworn were different all looked like copies of one another. We continued walking in what we thought would be the right direction while shouting out for help and eventually we came to a concrete path. It was almost like a road but thinner and it split the forest in half. We didn't follow the road because we knew it was going in the wrong direction. On the other side of the path was more forest, however, and there was an abandoned shack nearby, probably used for storage at one point. We had no idea anything like this was out there, so we just kept walking. Eventually, we came to a road that we didn't recognize. A woman, wearing a pink and purple regatta outdoors coat, walked past and we frantically asked her for directions. By now, we'd been walking for an hour and a half. She said she had never seen it before, but she pointed in the direction of another campsite. We followed her advice and eventually came back to our campsite. We apologized for being gone for so long and still not finding anything. The leader, Ian, could see that the three of us were shaken up, but he said we were only gone for 25 minutes and we hadn't used all of our free time yet. To this day, it still baffles all three of us. The time limit was 40 minutes and our watches said that we were gone for hours. The forest we were lost in just felt crushing and claustrophobic, like we had entered an area where the concept of time didn't apply. I believe in the paranormal, but this was so unlike anything I've heard or experienced before, it was like we entered a time vortex. Hours in the forest were only minutes in the rest of the world. The feeling was very strange and it stuck with me for the rest of our trip. Thank you for reading my story. It's a weird one, but it's true. Hey, 
Can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This happened about 13 years ago when I was a sophomore at a liberal arts college in Suffolk County, New York. Within the first couple of months of freshman year, I found myself in a very tight-knit group of fellow theater geeks. In total, there were six guys and one girl. Plus, they all loved horror movies and ghost stories. I had found my crew. That year was tough, but we supported each other and made the whole experience more enjoyable. At the beginning of sophomore year, we decided to find a creepy wooded spot in a nearby town for the Halloween season. We wanted to scare the crap out of ourselves. We did some research and found a particularly isolated area known for paranormal sightings about 30 minutes away. It was perfect. The seven of us took two cars and headed out into the night. Allow me to set the scene. You turn off the busy main road flooded with strip malls and restaurants, and you're almost immediately greeted by complete darkness. Again, this area was heavily wooded. It was essentially a large web of winding roads surrounded by trees with very few streetlights or houses. Without a GPS or good sense of direction, one can easily get lost. We made sure to have fully charged phones and flashlights just in case. But the goal was to keep driving until we collectively decided to pull over and go exploring. We turned left off of the main road and drove roughly 30 more minutes into this dark network, picking directions at random and intentionally getting lost. Eventually, we turned to find a huge log in front of us. We had reached a dead end with nothing but trees beyond it. We all got out, stepped over the log, and noticed two narrow trails leading in different directions. This seemed like a good a time as any to grab our flashlights and do some amateur ghost hunting. We flipped a coin and set off on the trail to the right. It was so narrow we had to walk single file to avoid being hit by branches. For some reason, I ended up in the back. I'm usually pretty rational and level-headed, but the further we went in, the more uneasy I became. I kept hearing sounds deep in the woods and couldn't shake the feeling that we were being watched. But I was the only one hearing things. I shrugged it off as my imagination. Our whole reason for being there was to get scared. Plus, we were seven able-bodied college students. What would we come across that could take us down? We headed down this trail for about 20 minutes, and just as I thought it would never end, we came to a massive clearing. It was a large, open field of unkempt grass, like a golf course, but much less manicured. Trees surrounded the entire field, and we couldn't see the end from where we stood. I was thrilled to get out of that narrow trail, 
but I don't think any of us were expecting to find an area so vast. One of us looked to the right and said, Hey, check that out. We all turned to see an old, dilapidated house several hundred yards away. It was completely dark, with no cars or signs of anyone living there. We walked over to shine our lights at it and found the windows and doors boarded up. I managed to peer between the boards on one window and saw an old, white couch covered in plastic but an otherwise empty room. Whoever used to live there was long gone. Since there was no way in, and we were sufficiently creeped out by the house anyway, we decided to sit down near the trail and discuss where to go next. As we walked back, but before we could sit, Mark stopped, his expression dropped, and we saw him point. We all turned, on the far side of the field, directly across from where we entered, we saw someone tall, lanky, and pale, dancing among the trees. And by dancing, I mean he was skipping, grabbing trees, and swinging around them. Basically a do-si-do. The moon was so bright, and the woods so dark, it took a second for us to really understand what we were looking at. Jay, the 6'4 skeptic of our group, wasn't seeing it. I leaned into him, pointed in that direction, and said, Jay, look where I'm pointing. Don't you see that? He squinted, and the second he saw it, he gasped loudly, clutched my arm, and he whispered, What the frick is that? What happened next sent shock waves through us all. Whoever this was, they stopped dancing, looked in our direction, and started charging straight at us. Without thinking, we panicked and ran back to the trail. Yet again, Jay was the only one who didn't see what was happening. He shouted after us. He said, guys, what is it? Where are you going? After roughly 15 seconds of running like hell, I heard Jay scream some expletive. I looked back and saw his flashlight following the rest of us into the trail. While the walk into the woods took 20 minutes, we made it back to our cars and were peeling away in five. Once we were a safe distance, we pulled over, got out, and checked in with each other about what had just happened. My heart was pounding, and I know everyone else felt the same way. Nearly 15 years later, we're all still friends. We live in different states, but have kept in touch through marriages, divorces, and children. Occasionally, out of the blue, one of us will send a group text to the others with something to the effect of the woods. That really happened, right? It most certainly did. That experience is always in the back of my mind, and I'm pretty sure it always will be. Here's the thing that still resonates with me about that night. Whoever was dancing maniacally in the woods at one in the morning ran directly for a group of young adults and wasn't phased by the fact that they were severely outnumbered. Did he know we were there from the second we parked? Was he the sound that I kept hearing as we walked the trail? Whatever the case, when he came for us that night, you can be sure none of us wanted to stick around and see what he was capable of. I'm a 25-year-old male who's into urbex, which is 
urban exploration. It's something I often do alone and typically start at dawn. This story reaffirmed that decision for me. One night, I was out drinking with some buddies and my hobby came up later in the night. The place we went to was starting to die down, so they asked if I knew of a cool spot nearby. The first place that popped into my mind was an old, abandoned factory in the woods. It was roughly a five to ten minute drive. I didn't quite remember the path to get there. You have to leave the trail at some point, and the cloud cover made it difficult to see. Plus, one of my friends isn't in the best shape thanks to diabetes. I had them stay on the trail while I fumbled around in the dark to make sure we were going in the right direction. When I finally returned, they asked how far out I went because they heard something walk by the trail. I dismissed it as a stray dog and led them into the woods until we saw the fence. Then we followed it until finding the hole someone made ages ago. When we were getting close, I heard footsteps roughly 15 feet to our right on the same side of the fence, and I stopped dead in my tracks. At that moment, my entire body was screaming for me to run, and the only thing going through my mind was, those were human. I turned back to my friends and, judging by the looks on their faces, they heard it too. I told them we should skip this for tonight. They quickly agreed and turned back to the trail while I stayed behind to make sure they weren't followed. And yes, I know I would be the first to die in a horror movie. As I waited for them to get further away, I didn't hear or see anything. Once I thought they made it back to the trail, I took off running and we quickly made it back to the car. Since then, I've chalked it up to a homeless guy going there to crash for the night, but it felt like they were following us, and it triggered my fight-or-flight instinct super hard. This story really isn't that scary, but it's a little unsettling. I grew up two hours north of New York City in a small town off a state highway. I lived in a small house on a big plot and the forest behind it went on for miles and miles. There was a trail that I could access from our land, but I had never done so. My grandma would stay with us quite often, and around the same time every year, some sort of fungus would start growing around our land. I don't know if they were mushrooms, but they kind of looked like large reptilian eggs. Grandma would say to stay away from them because the witch put them there. She also said to stay away from the trail because the witch lived there. I was about five or six at the time, and I remember not believing her, but I did heed her advice, and I stayed away from both. One day, my sister and I were playing outside while Grandma watched us. The eggs were grown, and we glanced at the trail's entrance, and we froze. Standing there was a white woman dressed in a black robe and a black hat. Without hesitation, my sister and I bolted inside, and Grandma followed us. My sister doesn't remember this now, and Grandma's too old, but I have vivid memories from that age. It's possible this memory is something that I just created in my head, but... I know what my memories from preschool feel like. This happened a few years later, 
and it sure does feel like a memory. I have always believed that there are things in the woods that we don't understand and have reason to fear. I'm definitely a believer in skinwalkers, and I would be very interested to have someone to help me figure out what was growing in my yard. This is the first of many creepy stories that my roommate and I experienced during our freshman year of college. For context, Pat and I met in high school and roomed together in college. They say don't live with your friends, but we had a lot in common and got along very well. We were city kids, but we went to college out in the sticks. The campus was secluded from the highway and surrounded by woods. Our freshman year, we shared a typical cinder block dorm room. Two single beds, two desks, two dressers, and a closet with no doors. There was space at the top for storage containers with enough room for someone to sit up there if they wanted, and often we did. One night, we stayed up late, just BSing for hours. We talked about school, dream jobs, girls, religion, all the basics, when Pat suddenly changed his tone. He said he was having recurring dreams that were freaking him out. In the dream, he was walking in the woods and came across a very unnerving porcelain doll. Every time he tries to pick it up, he suddenly wakes in a panic, like one does when they dream that they're falling. I could see it was bothering him, but wasn't too concerned. I told him he probably was worrying too much and it would likely pass in time. That was my opinion until I started having the same dream just a few days later. One night, we had the dream at the same time and we both woke up screaming. This happened on Thursday night and since the next day was Friday and we both had light schedules, we decided to take our bikes on a ride through the woods. After class, we got lunch at the cafeteria hopped on our bikes, and took the trail into the woods. Since Pat is the most familiar with the dream, he led the way and remarked how similar the woods were to his dreams. We rode for an hour, and we could both feel the tension and bad vibes increasing as we went deeper into the forest. Pat stopped suddenly and said, This is it. This is where the doll is. Let's go right. We went a quarter of a mile into the brush and we found it. It was a porcelain baby doll with a green dress and bonnet. It was an exact match to the one from our dream. We felt the bad vibes intensify to the point where we were dripping in sweat even though it was a cool, overcast autumn day. The most unnerving thing was that this doll was in pristine condition, completely unaffected by the elements. The wind blew hard enough to cause our shirts to flare out and our bikes to rattle, but the doll didn't move an inch. We quickly looked at each other, and without saying a word, we agreed it was time to leave. We hopped on our bikes and took off for campus. Neither of us could sleep that night, so we put on a movie and took some Z-Quil. Eventually, we passed out. In the early morning hours, we woke to the sound of a girl giggling. We both thought the other may have snuck a girl in, but that wasn't the case. A voice said, Hey, up there. And we looked to see the storage cut out above the closet. 
A red-headed girl with a white dress and an indistinguishable face sat there, expressionless, and we only stared. In a passive voice, she said, Why did you leave me there? Neither of us could speak. I finally managed to mumble and unsure, What? You heard me. I said, Why did you leave me there? Suddenly, everything on the storage cutout fell to the floor and broke open. The noise was so loud that it woke our neighbors, who thankfully were also good friends. They knocked on the door from the adjoining bathroom and came in. We had no way of explaining what happened. They would think we were crazy. Instead, we told them the base of the cutout broke and just dumped our stuff all over the floor. They accepted the story, and we spent the remainder of the night cleaning the mess left by that redhead. We never went back to those woods, and we never went looking for the doll. The dream kept happening, but thankfully slowly fizzled away. To this day, Pat and I are still close friends, but we don't talk about the doll or the girl. This is a true story that happened a little while ago. I get sick quite often since my immune system sucks and I have a horrible acid reflux, so I stay home a lot while my mom and stepdad work. I got picked up from school early a few weeks ago because I wasn't feeling well and mom said to take our dog for a walk. No big deal. I'll sit and rest while he plays. It's something that I do regularly. As I'm sitting there, my dog starts acting weird. He's a chihuahua puppy, and if you have one, you know that they're weird little dudes. At first, I didn't think anything of it, but he usually barks, and this time, he was just shying towards me and whimpering. It was strange, but again, he's weird, so my dumb self didn't think anything of it. Then, I start hearing weird sounds coming from the woods... For context, my house is surrounded by thick, deep woods and the highway is out front. Other than that, I'm pretty secluded. I step off my porch and that's when I really hear what's making him so nervous. It sounds like a puppy or a fox is hurt really badly, so I, an idiot, start walking towards it to look for the animal to make sure it's okay. As I'm getting closer, my dog is losing his mind and barking at me to go back. That's when it started to sound less like an animal and more like someone trying to sound like an animal. It sounded like someone with a scratchy throat trying to make a whimpering puppy noise. It was freaky as hell. Maybe my dog is onto something. I scoop him up and we go back inside for the rest of the day. The next incident was about a week later when I was home alone, sick again. I was calling my dog to come eat his breakfast and yell, Here, Brian. But then I heard my mother's voice say, Come here, Brian. Come here, boy. From the woods. Holy forking shirt balls. I called my mom and she insisted that she was still at work. I called my very logical dad in tears, and he said it was either an echo or just my imagination, but I know what I heard. There's no way she could have pranked me either. I called her work, and they confirmed that she had been there the whole time. I'm an extremely spiritual witch and believe in all kinds of spirits. 
I even work with two deities and practice witchcraft often. At this point, I'm open to whatever explanation there is, but I know this was paranormal. I'm like a magnet for that kind of stuff. If you have any idea what that could have been, please let me know. Alright, so check this out. Last year, I moved up to the city with my mom to take care of my grandma. She had a stroke and a heart attack and she didn't want to spend her last days in a nursing home. Anyways, I was working at a grow during the time and this place was haunted. I could just feel it. I would also see things move in the corner of my eyes and I was convinced that there was some type of poltergeist at the place because things would just fall. They had been in the same spot for hours or stuff would just shift. Well, one day we were trimming and someone was talking so I turned to look at them and in the corner of the room there was an extremely tall shadow person, like eight or nine feet tall. I couldn't see its face but just an outline of it and it was extremely dark. It looked like it was wearing a long coat and a tall hat. I looked at it for a minute too. It let me stare at it. It knew that I saw it and it saw me. It totally freaked me out. So I turned back to continue trimming, pretending like nothing happened, and when I did, my scissors that were sitting blade down in a cup about a third full of alcohol spun full circle in the cup. I looked up to see if anyone noticed, but nobody did, and I don't think they saw the shadow person either. So I just prayed over myself and everyone else on the property and continued my job. Then, about a week later, my grandma passed away. So I don't know if it was death or something that I manifested or attracted for wallowing in grief. Have you ever seen anything like this? I haven't seen it since, but I don't think I'll ever forget it. I was living in an apartment at the time, not uncommon for a 24-year-old to do, and my partner had decided to go to bed early because they wanted to start doing a morning workout routine. I said, whatever, nerd, I don't want to do that. So that meant that after 8.30, I was alone, and I didn't need to be at work until 10.30 the next day, and anyways, I worked from home, so prep time was minimum. Roughly 10.40ish p.m. comes and I get a knock on my front door. I was replaying Skyrim for the 57th time and assumed it was my neighbor since we were buddies. When I opened the door, nobody was there. Ding dong ditching bastards, I thought to myself. Incorrectly. I closed the door and I laugh about it. Then I get scared for some reason. Now, I'm a big guy. Power lifter, weighing 270 at the time and 6'4". I was shoved to the ground like a child, as if I was full force pushing a six-year-old to the ground. I hit my head on the couch and the controller broke when I flung it going down. I bled a lot from a small scratch on my head, like way more than I was expecting to. I get up from that, shaken and looking around for some kind of monster or something, but nothing. The whole apartment is still. 
but I feel horrified and I don't want to go wake up my partner to tell them that my big ass was just thrown by a freaking monster that I couldn't even see. I cleaned up the blood and called my mom. She had a lot of experience with paranormal stuff and I'm more of a skeptic in general. She had me do some cleansing things and walk around saying this was my house and that whatever else was in there had no right to be. I felt at ease a few hours later and went to bed. I woke up to a dull silence that I wasn't used to. My fan was off. In fact, all the power was off. I checked the breaker box and nothing was flipped. So I called my uncle, who worked on apartments, and he actually answered me and told me there was probably a main breaker outside that was flipped. I walked outside and saw my main breaker box was open and, sure enough, flipped. I flipped it back on and went back inside. Now, there was a tension that I started to feel that I just couldn't shake. So I called my mom again and I told her what happened. And she said, it turned your power off so you'd open the door. Otherwise, why did it knock the first time? Whatever this behemoth was, it was back in my apartment and I started to feel worried. I heard heavy footsteps going towards the bathroom and then in the bedroom that we used as an office. When I went in that room, it was tense, but I wasn't going to fight this thing. For the last year that we were there, that room always felt heavy and weird and we never liked it. Luckily, we moved and no longer have to deal with whatever that was. I started working at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs in the fall of 1993. The Broadmoor is a 100-year-old five-star hotel that stands in the shadow of Cheyenne Mountain. The close proximity to the mountain and the age of the original hotel give the place a mysterious and sometimes foreboding feeling. The hotel has had its share of guests that checked in and never checked out. I was hired as one of five electricians the hotel kept on the maintenance staff in their facilities services department. As a trusted member of the facilities team, I was given a set of master keys that would open any door within the hotel. After a year of working at the hotel, I knew every corridor, ballroom, basement tunnel, ceiling crawl space. I knew it all. The electricians all started in the pre-dawn hours before the guests were even awake. It was our job to walk all the hallways, meeting rooms, ballrooms, dining areas, everywhere and replace any lamps that we found to be burnt out, which included the huge glass chandeliers and hundred-year-old wall sconces. Each of the electricians were assigned a building where it was their job to keep all the lamps burning. We would spend the first three hours of our workday walking the mostly deserted hallways and public spaces, checking for the deceased lamps. We had lamps and ladders stocked and hidden away on every level of the hotel. That winter, I was assigned the main hotel. The main hotel was my favorite because it had all the beautiful terraces that looked out across the Broadmoor Lake with the awe-inspiring Cheyenne Mountain in the background. 
The main hotel had the history of 100 years of guests partying and playing throughout its historic ballrooms and terrace dining rooms. The main hotel also had the penthouse suite, where presidents and world leaders had spent the night looking out at the dark and steep mountain beyond. The hotel was built by a gold baron named Spencer Penrose. His beautiful wife, Julie Penrose, spent her final years living in the main hotel penthouse. She died in 1956, and the hotel converted her lavish three-bedroom, three-bathroom penthouse to the Penrose Suite, which back then was $2,500 a night. Winters were slow at the hotel. The room occupation rate was typically at 20% or below during the cold winter months. That chilly, snowy morning, I was taking my time going from room to room, checking for the elusive burned-out lamps. I always started with the main room at the front of the hotel, which included the front desk. It was always deserted at that time in the morning. In fact, it was unusual for me to see anyone in the public areas that early in the morning. One of the perks of working at the hotel was the large spread of morning baked muffins and bear claws set out for the guests. The bear claws were the absolute best. Of course, we lowly maintenance workers were not to eat any of the baked goods, but this was before the advent of discreet cameras placed throughout the hotel. I could never pass a freshly made bear claw, and besides, who was hurt by this minor indiscretion anyway? My second stop that morning was the main terrace dining room. That was on the second level, looking out towards the lake. This was a huge dining area with glass chandeliers scattered throughout the room. A large set of heavy glass and oak doors separated the dining room from the upper main terrace common area. The room had 10-foot-high windows that spanned the whole lake side of the room. I went to turn on the chandeliers at the far back corner of the room. I had my back to the large doors that I had just used my master keys to enter, when suddenly I hear the doors reopen and then slowly shut again. I thought, what the hell, there's nobody there. I reach for my radio and call out over our channel if any one of our maintenance people are here on the second level of the main hotel with me, and I get total silence. I start to think I'm imagining the doors opening on their own, but no way. The large, old, dark room is starting to creep me out now. I continue to head straight for the set of switches that light up the whole room. I flick each of the half-dozen switches and nothing happens. The lights just don't turn on. Now I'm starting to think that somebody's messing with me. The electricians and the plumbers have been known to prank each other's shop. Innocent stuff like leaving a dead fish hidden in the plumber's shop area. So I call the plumbers out on my radio. Again, nothing. I start to head out towards the opposite side of the dining room towards the exit that leads to a stairway to the basement where the main electrical room is located. I figure I'm going to have to reset the circuit breaker. I walk along the large windows that face out towards the lake. It's darker outside than it is inside the dining room with the only light coming from the exit signs above both of the doorways. 
It's not a lot of light, but it's enough to create a reflection in the huge plate glass windows. I'm walking along slowly in front of the windows when something outside catches my attention. It looks like an older woman dressed in a large white gown. My immediate thought was, what the hell is this lady doing standing outside on a cold, dark, and snowing morning? And suddenly, it hits me. I'm not seeing her outside the windows. I'm seeing her reflection of her inside behind me. I turn around and there's nobody there. I ran. I ran out of that room so fast that I hit two chairs, knocking them over and leaving a large bruise on my side. She was there, clear as day, standing not more than ten feet behind me. I could see her face and her white gown, and she looked sad. I worked at the hotel another two years, and I never saw her again. I was 34 years old when this happened to me, and my hair was dark brown. My wife has noticed my hair suddenly turning white. Within five years of that incident, my hair was completely white. And I don't know if that's related, but it still gives me chills to this very day. This story is from a few years back when I went to a cemetery with my mother and godmother. It's short, but it's good. I was walking around this cemetery taking photos, and at one point, I suddenly turn in a random direction, and I see a man in a suit just walking down the path, and he's emitting this glowing white light from everywhere on his body. He walks behind a tree and then vanishes. An hour or so later, when we were about to leave, I see him again, but this time he's heading up the path that leads to the front of the church where we were. I watch as he walks behind a tree and disappears again. I head over to the tree to investigate to see if he was there, but he was gone. To anyone reading or listening to this, stay safe out there. For a long time, my partner and I used to live in a shared accommodation. We've only just moved out and are incredibly relieved to be free of that nightmare. Our experience began a few months after we'd moved in. I woke up in the middle of the night to a look of fear in my partner's eyes, a look that I'd never seen before. Apparently, I'd been talking in my sleep, which isn't incredibly uncommon, but hadn't happened in a very long time. I'd been talking to a man that was in our room, apparently. I dismissed this as a dream, but I just didn't recall. My partner thought otherwise, however, and honestly, I wish I believed them straight away. He would appear to me every night in my dreams, tall and malnourished, so tall that he had to bend his neck to the side and stoop just to fit into the room. Every single one of his bones were incredibly defined and visible, and his arms were unnaturally long. Too long. He had elongated fingers and gnarled feet, wispy strands of hair and dark skin, as if he'd been sat in the sun for centuries. His hands and feet were much darker shades than the rest of his body, though, 
almost like he'd been digging through dirt. The scariest feature he had, however, were his sickeningly bright yellow pupils. Unnaturally bright. The darkness would be so thick that you could barely discern any of his features, all of those except those piercing eyes, however. One night, I had gone downstairs to grab some ice cream. I came back up to see my partner cowering in the corner of the opposite end of the room. I hurried to their side and was told that they could hear someone running around downstairs and crashing into things. They thought somebody had broken in and assaulted me, then proceeded to run up the stairs and stand directly outside our room. I just note that whilst I was downstairs, I heard absolutely none of this commotion and had no knowledge of the situation that my partner thought they could hear. I believe them, though, and I've never seen them so afraid, and they're a terrible liar, so I can always tell when they are. Another night, there was a really intense storm. Thunder, lightning, lashing rain, all of it. We were stood under cover, having a cigarette before bed, when a particularly bright fork of lightning went off above us, and for that split second that the sky was illuminated, he was there in front of us. About twenty feet away, now stood up straight and still holding us in his gaze, with those almost hypnotically bright pupils, both of us saw him. Both of us were frozen in place and helpless. I remember my partner grabbing my arm, and I'll never forget this thing's face, expressionless, yet still full of malice. His presence was overwhelming, and we could do nothing but stand and stare as another lightning strike went off and revealed him to be much closer. Again, he was only visible for that split second, but that's all we needed to know that we were no longer safe. Too stubborn to leave, we just ran to our room and tried to sleep. I dream of him every night. I know he plagues the thoughts of my partner as well. A couple of days ago, while showing her around our new house, my niece looked up at me and asked, Is that room for the tall man? I don't like him very much. He says horrid things about you and uncle. Now, I didn't answer any of her questions about the tall man. I didn't know how to. I do know that he's here now, though, and I just pray he doesn't hurt my partner or my niece. It all happened during November of 2017. I had just graduated and decided to sign up for my school's annual graduation trip to Johor in Singapore. At the time, me and my homies subscribed to very dumb content on YouTube like the 3AM challenges. I can't believe I used to think that J Station was legit. Anyway, when we arrived at the hotel at 10pm, me and my homies that were assigned to the same room decided to push through the fatigue and stay up until midnight to go explore the floor, or in other words, go ghost hunting. The hotel had already sketched me out when I saw the ancient looking lobby and witnessing the hotel workers warning us not to use the lifts. I had to climb to the 15th floor. Before the trip, we already knew that this establishment had a dark history of homicidal cover-ups. For example, we heard rumors of somebody 
ending it on the 13th floor that caused the entire room to be sealed up. This is important information for later. Okay, so now it's midnight, and only me and another friend decided to split up to explore both pathways of the current floor. We wanted to go hang out in the lobby too, but unfortunately it was pitch black down there. Unsurprisingly, we saw nothing and proceeded back to our room for bedtime. Time would pass until 4 a.m. when I got this strong urge to pee and was shivering so badly from the cold. So I got up to relieve myself and right when I finished up and began to go back to sleep, I hear three clear knocks on the front door. I know this was a dumb move, but yes, I opened the door without looking at the peephole first at 4 a.m. I swear, if that was someone with malicious intent and not some paranormal stuff, things would have turned out pretty bad. As expected, I didn't see anyone, so I just coerced myself, thinking that this was just me being tired and probably just half dreaming. Turns out, I was wrong. As I turned back, it started again, but this time, I looked through the peephole as my common sense started to return after realizing that stuff is about to go down. But again, I saw nothing. I retraced my steps back to the bed and tucked myself in while preparing mentally just to ignore the knocks. Another three knocks would arrive when I rested my head on the pillow. This time, I chose not to even give it a thought. The opposite happened. The knocks became louder and faster. They started to become bangs. It was at that moment I knew that what I've been hunting has started to play with its food. I tried waking my friends up, but to no prevail. These dudes managed to continue sleeping even while I was slapping them and when someone was trying to get into the room. I finally gained the courage and grabbed a chair nearby me. I proceeded to stand guard in front of the door. I would go on to pray while getting tormented by the being outside until I passed out at around 6 a.m. The next morning, the whole squad was asking me if I sleepwalked and I tried explaining to them what happened, but they wouldn't believe me. This pissed me off for about half the day until my friends from another room called us over that night to game. That night scarred me for life. To this day, I'm still tempted to return to the hotel, but my gut tells me not to. Was it a ghost or my imagination? Was I drunk? I guess I'll never know. I would like to hear from other previous guests from the hotel, though. Hmm. The sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. 
And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 